I'm very excited. When does that actually come out? Soon. Thank you for the very specific timetable. Very soon. Ah, even more specific. Sooner than not soon. (laughs) I kind of want to keep pushing you just to see how vaguely unspecific you can get. Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week, on October 11th, we will be reviewing Six Crimson Cranes by Elizabeth Lim. Then, on October 18th, we have our Patreon episode. This month, our patrons have chosen Faded by Benedict Jacka, which is the first book in the Alex Vera series. You may have heard Mo mention it once or twice or a hundred times in previous episodes. <laughs> a quick note about this episode. I'm in the middle of moving, and as a consequence, my recording ability is not up to the usual standard. This will be a temporary issue, but you will probably be hearing some static for the next several episodes. I'm doing the best to minimize the static in my editing, but I can only do so much. We greatly appreciate your patience and understanding. If you haven't signed up for our Patreon yet, what are you waiting for? At the whole 20 book series tier for $100 a month, you'll receive a shout out each episode, a logo sticker, a bookmark, access to the miniseries, bonus content in the monthly book poll, a guest spot on a mini episode to try and convince us to read a book you love, a book for an upcoming episode sent to you once every three months, and you get to pick an episode for us to do. That means you can pick any book or list you want to hear about, and we'll do an episode for it. If any of that sounds interesting, this may be the tier for you. We hope you'll consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, Ronnie and the Pirate Queen. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your hosts, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are looking at the book, Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. It is the first adult novel written by Bardugo. Um, You may know her as the author for Six of Crows or Bone and Shadow. Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone, close enough. Obviously, I've only read Six of Crows, and I'm in the middle of reading Crooked Kingdom, but I definitely devoured this novel, and I... I listened to this novel, actually, and I thought it was a fantastic audiobook. Abby, how did you read this book? So originally, I borrowed this from the library because you told me what a great audiobook it was. I didn't even get through the first chapter, and there was so much blood and ick that I knew I couldn't do it as an audiobook. Because our listeners might have figured out that I am not a horror or thriller person at all. (laughs) And so because ghosts or greys are such a big factor in this book. The horror thriller feel in this book was too much for me to do as an audiobook. So I immediately returned it to the library because I knew I wouldn't do it. And I spotted it at Target. It was on sale and I went, okay, we'll give the physical book a try. And let me tell you guys, I had a hard time getting through this book. It's not a happy book. As I told Mo, I was interested, but I was not enjoying myself. Which kind of sucks. And I'll say, listeners, one thing just to warn you, there, if you do choose to read this book and you have not read it and you're like, oh, what are Mo and Abby talking about tonight? Hmm, that book sounds interesting. I'm just going to put it out there in the world. Here's the trigger warnings for this book. Violence, rape, sexual assault, murder, gore, 
drug addiction, overdosing, death, suicide, blackmail, self-harm, and one scene of forced human waste consumption. So guys, I got to be real. I listened to it. I loved it. I thought it was a great ride. None of this bothered me. It, for me, honestly, um, the Southern, the what was it? The Southern Book Club's Guide to Vampire Slaying, Vampire Hunting, Vampire something. I can't remember what the whole title. That's a long title, by the way. That one was more gory and freaked me out more than this book did. And I listened to both as audiobooks. So take it with a grain of salt. Not Abby's cup of tea. Mo liked it a lot. So you're going to hear two very different opinions tonight about this book. Well, and I will say, I listened to the audiobook for the Southern Book Club's Guide to Vampire Slang or whatever it was. You got it right. I listened to go. the audiobook. There were a couple scenes that made me cringe and like speed up the audio really fast to get through them. But this book, I personally found worse. And my biggest problem, I think, was the child sexual abuse and the rape. That is what really bothered me the most. And that's obviously a personal preference. Like some people that doesn't bother and that's fine. I just, those are a couple of topics that I'm like, I don't like this. So fair warning guys, we're telling you right now, that's the kind of book this is. So if you have not read this book and you're like, oh, what is this? I love Six of Crows. This is like this is like pure adult content. Like it, it's not graphic sexual assault, but I mean it's sexual assault. It's pretty awful. Yes, so it's pretty awful. But it's the main character describing it happening. I think that's the other thing that really bothered me. Like everything was from Alex's point of view for the most part, and all of her flashbacks mm-hmm. were just absolutely horrific. And it was worse that they were in first person. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. Because like. Southern Book Club is in third person the whole time, but it's like, oh, that first person, man. So we're serious about the warnings for this book. It is dark. It is well-written because Lee Bardugo is a good writer. But man, please take those warnings into account. Mm -hmm. Now that you kind of know what you're getting into, let's talk about some fun facts. So this book is actually based off Bardugo's actual experiences at Yale. So she put a lot of her personal experience into it. She didn't specify what, but when she she says she remembers when she got to Yale, like she was fascinated by the history, fascinated by the buildings. So if you go visit this place, every structure but Darlington's home is a real place that can be visited. So if you want to go put some descriptions to a visual, you can. Again, this is her first adult novel, so usually she's been a YA author, and she has branched out into a different world. More about some backstory. Like I said, much of it of the story is real. The history of the uh, university is real. These are real societies like, oh God, what are they called? I don't even know what the society is called. doesn't matter. We'll mention them later, I'm sure. The campus inside jokes, architecture, all of this. And Bardugo describes her time at Yale as her own Hogwarts. Kind of cool, right? Even though it was like a real place and if only magic was real, it was real to her. Something I thought was quite interesting is that two days after this book was released, Amazon Studios went, "Mm, we want that. And they bought it. So they plan on producing it as a show. 
And award-winning horror author Stephen King called Ninth House the best fantasy novel I've read in years because it's about real people. Bardugo's imaginative reach is brilliant, and this story full of shocks and twists is impossible to put down. You know, I really should have checked who was giving this good reviews because I am, I will never read Stephen King. Nobody will ever be able to force me to read Stephen King. And basically any book that he says is fantastic, I'm like, I don't want to read that. I can understand that. So honestly, if I'd known Stephen King said that, I've been like, great. I'm glad her book is doing well. Not going to read that. Right. <laughs> it, is, it is a complete 180 from her other books. Like her other books, they're not light reads, but they're young adult reads. So like young adult is kind of follows the pattern. You know what I mean? Versus adult novels kind of, do their own thing. Well, and there's definitely dark stuff in Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, especially. Those two books, they have dark stuff. They have dark themes. The difference is how YA versus adult approaches topics like this. Adult, you can get as nitty gritty as you want and it's fine. YA keeps it very PG-13 because that is their audience. Mm -hmm. You know, not trying to scar children kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's the real difference. And I guess I like her YA stuff better. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. You can, you can like, I mean, it's all preference. All good. No big deal. Yeah. So Abby, since we have talked around the book, let's actually talk about the book. Can you give a summary about this book? Sure thing. And I actually pulled this one straight from Goodreads. Galaxy Alex Stern is the most unlikely member of Yale's freshman class. Raised in the Los Angeles hinterlands by a hippie mom, Alex dropped out of school early and into a world of shady drug dealer boyfriends, dead-end jobs, and much, much worse. By age 20, in fact, she is the sole survivor of a horrific unsolved multiple homicide. Some might say she's thrown her life away, but at her hospital bed, Alex is offered a second chance to attend one of the world's most elite universities on a full ride. What's the catch and why her? Still searching for answers to this herself, Alex arrives in New Haven, tasked by her mysterious benefactors with monitoring the activities of Yale's secret societies. These eight windowless tombs are well known to be haunts of the future rich and powerful, from high-ranking politicos to Wall Street and Hollywood's biggest players but their occult activities are revealed to be more sinister and more extraordinary than any paranoid imagination could conceive. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember getting this book. I was excited about it because I really liked Six of Crows. And I thought, oh, this will be so cool. It sounds so interesting. Sounds so different. And I came off of, God, what book was it called? The Scalamance. What was that book called? Not The Last Graduate. That's the new one coming out. Oh, A Deadly Education. Yeah. So I came off reading A Deadly Education, which is purely a YA wild ride novel, right? A little dark, a little sinister, but YA. And I thought, oh, well, Lee Bardugo is a YA author, so it can't be like that different, right? (laughs) Can't, right? (laughs) I was wrong on that aspect for sure. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, if you guys normally read YA, just don't with this one. This is not a good adult introduction. No, pretty intense. And like I said, I was interested because Lee Bardugo is a good writer. I like her writing style. It's easy to consume and it flows so nicely. 
and she's a very good storyteller. So I was very interested, but I was not enjoying myself because of all the other aspects. This was dark enough for me that I had to grab a rom-com to read alongside it. So I picked up the Rosie Project, by the way, guys, because I knew it was going to be light and cute and funny and have like sweet romance in it. And so whenever Ninth House got too dark, I would just read a few chapters of the Rosie Project to like even it out in my brain and like help me get out of that dark place because, oh, yeah, I don't remember what I read concurrently with this, but I'm sure I read something concurrently because that's what I do. I could look it up. It's on my grid reads because I'm sure whatever I finished around is what I read around it. It's not a light novel at all. Well, let's talk about characters. So Galaxy, Alex Stern, is our main character. She's a 20-year-old college freshman at Yale. She has a troubled past but a bright future. She can see Grace, also known as Ghost, and is a fresh recruit of the House of Lethe. And she is known as the Dante. We have Daniel Arlington, a.k.a. Darlington. He's a 22-year-old Yale student. He is the Virgil for the House of Lethe, bright and upcoming handsome young man and the inheritor of the Black Elm Estate. We have Pamela Dolls, uh, a 20-year-old research graduate student. She always has her nose up a book and is ready for any and all research. She is known as the Oculus for the House of Lethe. We have Dean Elliot Sandow. He is the advisor for the House of Lethe. Um, he's an adult. Uh, well, he's a more adulty adult. He's not a student. Yeah, he's like 40-ish yeah. or something. Thank you. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, well, they are all adults, but he's the adult here, adult. Yes. <laughs> we have Detective Abel Turner. He is a New Haven police officer who is also the centurion for the House of Lethe, meaning he's on the Lethe's um, retainer to help out when mm, things go bad with the other societies. Professor Marguerite Philbaum, a professor at Yale who's trying to help Alex be the best she can be. And we also have the bridegroom, who is a gray that is quite interested in Alex, whether for good or bad. All right, everyone. So that's the main cast of the book. Of course, there are going to be other characters that pop in, but this is who you will mostly encounter. So as always, we did our best to keep the spoiler free. And the next half, we are going to go over favorite characters, least favorite characters, favorite scenes, least favorite scenes, and give our rating. We'll see you guys in a minute. Talk to you in a minute, guys. This is the Novel Universe with your hostesses, Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find the Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is spoilers. So if you don't want Ninth House by Lee Bardugo to be spoiled for you, stop, go read it, remembering all of our warnings from the first half, and then come yeah. back and talk to us. All right, so one thing I forgot to mention in the first half, one of the things that made this book a little hard for me is that I have never been to Yale and I'm not interested in going to Yale at any point. And there were a lot of descriptions of the things of Yale. And I had a very hard time like getting into those things and like picturing them all in my head. And I know I could have like Googled them and gotten pictures, but I didn't care enough to do that. And that made like the first 
third kind of hard to get through because that's all the like introduction to all the stuff and all the buildings and just like eh. I, I appreciate that she drew from her own experience I think that's really cool but that part wasn't for me so Abby are you a Gilmore, Gilmore Girls fan by chance I am Man, like, that's where I drew all of my Yale references from. Like, that's, I kind of, I just interpose, essentially, we're roaring with the school. Like, either, oh, Ch- Chatlin, Chitlin, whatever her high school is called, and then she went to Yale. So I was like, perfect. I can just interpose all of my Gilmore Girl thoughts into Yale. Done. See, and I just kept picturing, like, generic Yale backgrounds from the show. And I'm like, this isn't remotely what she's describing, but... Uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what I did. I just made it real easy. I'm like, perfect. Sounds great. We're going to roll with just random. Uh, it was just all those descriptions of the individual buildings. I'm like, I don't have the brain power to try and figure out what this actually looks like. That's okay. I understand. But that was me. All right. Tell me about your favorite characters. Okay. I really like Darlington. So whenever he was being portrayed by Alex's, in Alex's point of view, essentially, he was a douchebag. But once we got into his head and the chapters where he got to narrate and got to kind of explore from his point of view, it was rich. It was deep. You know, you could tell that he's like, damn, did I come off as a jerk? I did. Okay. I can do better. But, you know, like he never apologized, like, you know, outright. At least he thought about it. And he's like, "Mm, yeah, he, you know, he tried. But then I love his backstory. I think that's what really drew, like drew me into him. I love his his bond with his grandfather, how much his grandfather meant to him, how much Black Elm means to him. And like when his grandfather died and his parents are awful and just leave him at Black Elm, he makes his own way as a 16-year-old and still graduates and gets his butt into Yale. I I think I'm just really drawn to Darlington's tenacity and his unwillingness to give up. I just found that very endearing. I really like Alex. Like, she is tough as nails. Like, for all the stuff that happened to her, so many bad things, she kept going. Not that she kind of didn't get really get a choice because they're like, here's a free ride to a big university, but you got to be the Dante. And she's like, sure, I don't know what that entails. I mean, she basically just got used for her abilities, but she was able to grow into her own. And I really appreciate that. Like, and then as you start to unravel all her backstory interlaid with the actual plot of the book, I mean, no wonder she was using drugs. Like, if ghosts could touch you and literally rape you as a teenager in some bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Drugs sound great. Drugs sounds like they keep the things at bay. Like, it was just a lot. And she overcame it, though. And that's something I just really appreciate her strength and how she got through everything. But I also like dolls as well. So, like, I did not like her at first. And I was listening to this book with Kim at the same time, our friend Kim. And I kept telling her, I'm like, I don't think I like dolls. And she's like, just keep going. I still don't think I like her. And Kim's like, she'll grow on you. Kim was right. She grew on me. She was a valuable friend to Alex and really pulled through. Like, dang, she's an asset to have on your team. Always keep a bookworm researcher in your pocket, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, those are my favorite characters. What about for you? So my favorite character in all this was Dawes, partially because I felt like I could be her. 
just huddled up in a corner with her books and her sweaters. I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> like that would be me in this story. I also really appreciated the relationship that she and Alex developed. It was nice to see this relationship because it's one of the few mostly positive relationships in this book. Like most of the relationships in this book are not great. I'm not going to lie. And Dawes and Alex by the end seem to have just like a rather wholesome friendship or at least like a wholesome coworker relationship. And I really appreciated how Dawes stepped up and came through for Alex when she was needed. Like she didn't shirk her job as the Oculus. Yeah. So yeah, I really appreciated her. I liked her a lot. I liked watching her develop. And then the other character I liked was Detective Turner. He's this sharply dressed man of the law, always showing up in these really like nice suits. And I just, I liked him the moment he popped up because he gives off the, he gives off this, I don't get paid enough to deal with this crap vibe, like all the time. And in his position, I feel like that would my vibe, vibe too. Like, I don't get paid enough for this. Why am I doing this again? Yep. So I felt like he was kind of relatable. Yeah, those were the two characters that I really liked. I feel bad that I can't say either of the main characters was a favorite, but Alex's story upset me too much, and Darlington was too much of a prig. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, it's kind of ref- not refreshing. It's kind of fun with our different opinions because most of the time, like we're like on the same ball, love the same people, and I'm like, you know what? We have very different opinions about this book, and I like that. Yeah. So. All right. Least favorite. Oh, my God. All right. The greys in general creeped the crap out of me. Okay. Like, I don't like ghosts in general. So I was kind of like, I was like, I don't know about these guys. And then, like, God, the worst scene in the book is Alice when she's being raped by a ghost. And then no one believes her, which, I mean, is in my least favorite scenes, too. Like, I was so pissed about that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't like the Dean. He's kind of two-faced. He's useless. He used Alex like Dumbledore uses Harry. Like, what's up with these guys in power mistreating students, you know? Real world applications. Yeah, I don't like those. So I could pass on it. I just don't like him. And holy crap, guys. Big spoiler. Awesome spoiler. Bell bomb. What the actual what, Abby? Like, mm-hmm. Well, part of the story, Alex is going through working with the bridegroom to help find his fiance because they were murdered at the same time. And everyone said, oh, the bridegroom did it. He killed his fiance. No, guys, the, the fiance is like Alex. Um, Alex can, she's like, oh, what's the word called? Uh, like a median, like a ghost can go into her body kind of a thing. Or she can, and she can like pull them in and like use her powers and blah, 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 stuff like that. Well, the bride's groom, fiance, is just like Alex. And essentially, we learn, I think her name was Alice. Daisy. And we learn that Daisy, Alice, whatever, some old-fashioned name here. And we learn that she starts body hopping, literally, through the ages. And she ends up as Bellbomb. And Bellbomb's like, I've been waiting for someone just like you, because you're just like me. And you're like, what? She's like, I'm going to take your body. So, and then we also learned that all the sites of the societies where their tombs are is a place, like basically a node of magic where all the ley lines come together. And all those places is somewhere where Bellbomb has 
taken a girl that is like her and like Alex and stolen their life force to continue pushing herself through time and space. Like, just basically just a really creepy vampire. You know what I mean? I mean, holy crap. Bellbomb is awful. Like, just, just murdering people. Stealing their powers. No big deal. Okay. And see, I didn't hate Bellbomb. Here's why. I thought she was a fantastic villain. Like, the twist at the end that she was the big bad was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I appreciated her ambition for the time she grew up in. And the fact that she wanted so much more out of life. And she wasn't right when she did this. When she got thrown out of her own body. Or when she was killed and thrown out of her own body. And took over the next nearest one. I mean, I can't really blame her. It was kind of a knee-jerk reaction. I do blame her for all the murders afterwards. Oh, yeah. Oh, afterwards for sure. 100% that. But I appreciate that. I appreciate her ambition and her initiative and everything she did, I think it was a really great setup for villain because it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't a cliche villainous backstory. It was very much, it was unique. It was different. It was interesting. I liked the thought process behind it, even though I didn't agree with it. Oh yeah. It was great. So I thought she was a fantastic villain. So I didn't actually hate her. I was just like, oh, you're pretty cool. Glad you're dead, but you were pretty cool. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I agree. She was a great villain, but whole, I mean, she was just, like you said, the first time she got knocked her own body is fine. But every other time that she is purposely killing people to steal their life force. Oh, I'm like, why would you kill the people like you? You know, mm-hmm. besides, so that's, I mean, she's a great villain. I just, wow. I would not want to come up against her. So what about for you? Well, what are the uh, least favorite characters? All right. So, Literally everybody in Alex's life, minus her mother, before Yale. Everybody in her life before Yale was a piece of crap. They were horrible, horrible human beings. I'm glad a lot of them died. I didn't like any of them. I felt bad for both Alex and her mom. Because if your kid came up to you and told you they were seeing ghosts, you'd be like, haha, that's not funny. Mm -hmm. But you wouldn't really believe them. And that's the position that Alex's mom is in. So I do feel bad for her mom and I feel bad for Alex and I don't blame Alex for the path that she ended up on because I'm not sure what else she could have done to keep even a little bit of her sanity intact at that point. But like that crowd she fell in with, mm-mm, mm-mm, I was so angry. They made me so mad. Oh, they were awful. <sighs> and that pedophile boyfriend. Yeah. 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 Oh, we we didn't like. Yeah. Grown adult man having sex with like a 13, 14 year old. Yeah, I know. I know. So, yeah, that's just it was a bad crowd. It was a bad life. And geez. (laughs) So, Lethe, I disliked literally everybody in power in Lethe. Because it is pointed out that they knew about Alex growing up and they didn't do Jack to help her. Mm -hmm. They are terrible people and I blame them for everything that happened to her after they found out about her. They are the reason that her life went to hell and I'm very angry about that. 
I agree with that. Well, and I mean, that's partially why I didn't like Sandow. Yeah. Like, because yeah. he basically, I mean, he... He's one of them. Yeah. He's one of those people that was in power, knew about Alex, and didn't do anything until she could be useful to them. Yep. Another Dumbledore figure. I'm going to stab all these Dumbledore figures in the face. That's what I'm going to do. Um, aren't you glad that Deadly Education had no professors to get mad at? Just the school that tried to kill you. Man, and I liked that school that tried to kill you. I know. I would do without the professors. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. That was the big thing that killed me was just this powerful organization knew about her and didn't help her. Yeah. Stupid humans, as I was going to say. But I'm like, well, they're kind of all humans. Stupid people. All right. So, what scenes did you like the most? I actually liked anything with the society. So, uh, one of them was... I know you didn't like it, like, but the beginning where we're kind of learning about what's going on? What is this? Why are they cutting open a human being? And like the rituals and why they were doing it. And then how Darlington and Alex was protecting basically those societies from themselves because they're kind of stupid. And then another scene, I'm pretty sure it was the New Year's party. And they went into one of the society tombs, can't remember which one. And they just kept going through all these different layers and it kept getting more and more mysterious. And you, the deeper you went, the more magic there was. I loved it. Um, and I also like, because these societies are real societies, even though the magic portion may not be real or the occult versions of it, part of it is like they all have these famous people attached to them as well. So as you're going deeper and deeper into this tomb, some of the mass individuals are famous rock stars famous actresses politicians people with power and you're just like who is it what are they doing why it just i don't know it was such good world building and such a good way of melding the real world with a fantasy twist to it that i just i loved it and then i loved any scene with darlington and his grandfather i loved how his grandfather took him to a diner no one knew that this cranky old man was rich and not that they were slumming it but I felt like he really instilled a lot of humility into Darlington and you know how to work for the things that you want versus we see Darlington's parents really just take advantage of his grandfather and take advantage of the fortune that his grandfather built with his own hands Mm -hmm. so and then of course, of course, I love the scene where there's a library, and at the library, you can request books by writing into this book. You write what you want, and then you close the door, and the door open the door, and there's books about the topic that you requested, and somehow these books are stored in some kind of pocket space, and that's how you get them to come to you. Like, I want a door where I write what I want, and bam, I get the books I want, you know? Oh, yeah. I did think that was cool. I liked it as a mechanic for all of the knowledge hoarded over the um, decades and an easy way to locate what you needed. I agree. So what about for you? What did you like about this book? Or what were your favorite scenes? Sorry. So it was a little hard for me to come up with favorite scenes just because I had a t- I didn't enjoy this book. <laughs> yeah. I did like the scene where Alex was getting healed in the crucible. I thought it was some pretty cool and useful magic. And I liked the parts that Alex and Turner played. I loved how 
Dawes and Turner and Alex all came together to make it happen. I also loved Turner grudgingly going out to buy as much goat's milk as he could. Mm, yep. <laughs> that made me laugh. So I did. I enjoyed that. I liked the magic. I liked when Dawes did magic in this book because you actually got to see like the magic that Lethe could do. And I liked that. I wasn't really interested in the society's magics, but I liked the magic that Lethe used because it seemed more practical and useful than all these big sweeping things that the societies can do. Oh, yeah. And I also really loved the twist ending with the professor was actually Daisy and she was the real villain the whole time. Yeah, that was great. I was like mind blown, you know. On well, Sandow having that heart attack and I was just like, oh, cool. He's gone. Bye. Yeah, I know. He, he went away quite efficiently. I was happy that he died. So that improved that uh, scene. I was and... not sad <laughs> at all. <laughs> nope. I was like, mm, not a loss. Keep going. Yeah. And like I said, I really liked Daisy as a villain. And so I enjoyed that entire scene where she was like, Alex was realizing what had happened and Daisy was like filling in the gaps and all that. I thought that was really well done. I enjoyed that immensely. Yep. Oh, that was, I do agree. That was good. God, that was a crazy twist ending, man. I loved it. Yeah. And like, there's no way you could have seen it coming. No, it came out of like left field. I'm like, what is going on? holy crap it also 100 percent made sense because there's no reason alex who is narrating this book for the most part would have known no there there was like there was no lead up to this twist ending sometimes that can be a really bad thing authors just like pull the rug out from under you and it's like they have nothing to stand on but i mean technically there was lead up but you didn't see any of it because it was Alex's point of view and she had no way of knowing any of it so it was like a surprise twist ending that you couldn't have predicted but made sense it was so good yes all right how about least favorite scenes for you then hmm, well alex's flashbacks were all awful this poor girl all I, every time we had a flashback, I started cringing. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want to go into Alex's backstory. I like, I like present Alex. Present Alex kicks butt. Present Alex took charge of her future. Past Alex was just, just needed help, and no one helped her. And I was, and like you said, Lethe is to blame for that one completely. Yeah, she was drowning, and nobody threw her a life preserver. Yep. And the other scene I didn't like. So I guess I could have put this as my favorite scene or one of my favorite scenes, but it was kind of a gross scene. But the one where Alex's roommates got raped at the um, frat party and Alex is like, hmm, about that. And she goes and does she give a compelling coin to the guy or she compelled them all? to? No, she used some sort of powder that she got from one of the guys at the societies. And it like made everybody mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. do whatever she asked of them for like a little bit of time. Yep. And so she used that on the guys that raped her roommates. And I was like, ooh, what you going to do? Well, you know, they're, um, they're at a frat party. And I guess their initiative, their freshman, is cleaning basically the frat's bathroom. And is clogged. And she makes the guy eat his own poop. And I was like, hmm, all right, all right then. I'm like, ooh, do we like this? Or are we... Are, are we disturbed we can't decide so that's the guy and he 
came after Alex get revenge because basically she also posted that all over social media. And she's like, this is the guy y'all love so much. By the way, he's a piece of crap. And well, he's beating the crap out of Alex and you're in this scene is high energy. And she calls the hounds at the house of Lethe, but she has no control over the hounds. So while it, works in her favor it also does not work in her favor it backfires like that whole scene she gets her butt handed to her and that leads into your favorite scene where she gets healed but like all of that i just keep thinking alex you're, you're not gonna make it and i still have half a book to go through this is not good i mean it's like 75 percent of the book at that point but yeah and see for me okay i didn't mind that scene so much the scene where she got revenge for her roommate was disappointing for me. Because, like, she goes in there all full of righteous fury, ready to take revenge. And I'm like, yes, kick butt Alex is awesome. Go get revenge. That's not the revenge I was hoping for. Well, what kind of revenge would you have liked? I felt like that was a fitting revenge for today's world. You know, like, to ruin somebody on social media like that. I think it was the fact that she made him eat poop. I was like, this is not the revenge I wanted. This ruined him on social media, yes, but not not that way. It was just too disgusting. Like, I don't know. Okay. I didn't feel satisfied with that revenge. Okay. It personal preference, obviously. That's okay. I was just like I mean, it was an awful thing. Like I was not Yeah, it was awful. It would definitely ruin you on social media for sure, but it Oh, yeah. It just didn't do well, it for me yeah. for revenge. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I agree. All of Alex's flashbacks were absolutely terrible. I hated reading about all the stuff she went through from the rape to the pedo boyfriend to all the drugs and the alcohol. And I just, I'd like the way that her boyfriend treated her was just absolutely appalling. Yes. I just, I hated everything about every flashback. Not a one of them were good. They're terrible. And then this is probably because I listened to the audiobook for the opening scenes. But that opening scene of Alex watching the guy being opened up in the surgery theater, just ick. So ick. I did not like that scene. When I got the physical book, I like was skimming over the grosser parts and not like seriously reading them. <laughs> So it's just like, I already got the audio version of this part. I really don't need to reread this. I like how you're like, oh, about this, about this. No, thank you. This is just the first time. I don't want to read it again. I understand these things. All right. A lot of good stuff. Well, let's wrap it up a little bit. Let's get into the end. What's your star rating? I give it three and a half stars. Why? This is such a low rating for me, and I felt bad giving this rating, but I did not enjoy myself. I rate books on, like, how much I enjoyed it. And the thing that saved this from being, like, a one- or two-star review was the fact that it was interesting. I was genuinely interested in the story. I just hated the execution of it because of my personal preference. So, like I said, well-written. It was just way too dark and gritty and ick. For me, I will not be reading any subsequent books that she writes for it, but I will be asking you to tell me what happens. <laughs> okay, well, that sounds good. Because I'm mostly just like, I'm interested in the story, but not enough 
to wade through dark and gross and gritty like this again. This was a book that was not for me. I'm glad I read it because my curiosity has been satisfied and I will not be reading the others because it's not for me. Okay, that's all right. What about you? Well, the five-star book for me, this is a book I anticipate that I shall reread. And that's a big deal for me because I'm not a super big rereader, but I want to listen to this book again. I want to dissect it. I want to look through it. I want to like get deep into descriptions. And I feel like there's so many little pieces I could reabsorb. And I really like the world building. I liked because it's basically urban fantasy with so much flair of reality. And I have got to know what's going to happen in Darlington. Yep. Like, I am ready. I cannot. I'm like, this is crazy. Let's do it. I will say, I liked that twist with Darlington at the end. The fact that he had turned into the Hell Beast and that Sandow had purposely made it so that he couldn't go back to his home, which was like his biggest swing to the world. Oh, also another reason why we don't love Sandow. Yeah. Yep. Well, everyone, that is our review of Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. If you read it, great. Let us know. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use. Or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our miniseries, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.